0: Welcome to episode 30 of Insects for Fun, previously known as Insects for Dummies. Yes, there is indeed a name change, and this is because the Wiley Publishing Company got triggered about the naming of my podcast and it being higher in search results than any of their publications on the matter. But we're not going to get into that haunted mess, because we have a much better thing to talk about. And that's the difference between grasshoppers and locusts, if there is a difference at all. Okay, let's start off by first describing and defining a grasshopper, because some people might even be thinking of crickets or katydids. Grasshoppers are insects in the order Orthoptera, which does indeed also house crickets and katydids, but grasshoppers are in a separate suborder known as Salifera, which stands for chisel-bearing, and refers to their short ovipositors. Crickets and katydids belong to the suborder Ensifera, which stands for sword bearing, and as you might guess, has everything to do with the length of their ovipositors, because these ones really do resemble a sword. Another major difference is that grasshoppers are diurnal, which simply means they're active during the day, and they sing by rubbing their legs against their wings unlike crickets and katydids who make their songs by simply vibrating their wings together. Grasshoppers, like all orthoptera, go through incomplete metamorphosis. They simply hatch from an egg and go through a series of molts, with each one looking more and more like the adult. However, some grasshopper species can do something incredible, and this is where locusts come in. You see, of the 11,000 some odd species of grasshoppers, 25 are able to do something truly extraordinary and that would be their ability to completely change both their appearance and behavior into what we know as a locust. This Jekyll and Hyde type transformation results from a set of conditions being met with grasshoppers in the family Acritidae. If food becomes scarce, and these grasshoppers are forced together in one area, their bodies start releasing serotonin from the extra stimulation. This release of neurotransmitters causes behavioral changes which further escalates the change from a peaceful solitary animal to a voracious horde of flying field destroyers. This is an even more likely scenario if rain comes and provides an abundance of new food to this heavily gathered area, causing a further increase in their population. Ordinarily, grasshoppers cannot fly very far. But once the genes start transcribing the code for locust then their wings become more developed, and their brain actually increases in size too. These changes allow them to take flight and recognize others of the same species. Locusts have actually been clocked at flying 20 miles per hour, or slightly over, making them rival dragonflies for the fastest flying insect. And they can maintain flight for extremely long distances. For example, desert locusts regularly make a non-stop trip across the Red Sea which is at least 300 kilometers. This transformation from grasshopper to locust can occur at both the adult and the nymph stage, and can even be reversed. The color changes are incredible too, with extremely flashy primary colors like red and yellow. This coloration is a warning to predators, but also a signal to other locusts, which can help them see each other and band together, forming even larger swarms. These swarms are usually documented from Africa, but locusts could swarm in a variety of locations. Grasshoppers with this ability can be found in Asia, Australia, Europe, the Americas, and the Caribbean. The most widely spread locust is the migratory locust, known as Tocusta migratoria. This species of grasshopper slash locust is found in Asia, Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. It's even featured in the popular video game, Animal Crossing. Locust swarms are also referred to as locust plagues, due to the fact that they are incredibly destructive and can actually displace and force populations of people to leave an area. A locust swarm is not merely thousands of individuals, or hundreds of thousands. You see, locust swarms are usually 40 to 80 million ravenous insects, which can eat over 300 million pounds of food in one day. Yes, that's 300 million. And no, I didn't sit on the zero key. A swarm the size of Paris can eat as much as half the population of France in one day, which is why these insects are a power to be feared by many people. This is especially problematic when the countries facing these insects are already struggling with natural disasters and inner conflict. At this point we're all thinking, okay, but how on earth are you supposed to prevent that? Or prepare for something like that? And the reality is trying to do anything about it once it's already started is extremely difficult. Especially once they've begun to fly. Nowadays, people have been using biopesticides that incorporate a deadly, naturally occurring fungus. We also do surveillance checks by looking at weather conditions along with aerial surveys in areas where locust swarms could potentially start. If many grasshoppers are congregated in an area, then pesticides are used to reduce the population before it can get to swarming levels. Other tactics are to lay down large bands of pesticide from the air in front of an oncoming quote-unquote hopper band. A hopper band is a large army of flightless nymphs, also known as hoppers. Once these nymphs walk over the laid down pesticide, the nymphs start absorbing the fungus, and cannot continue. Other current pesticides involve the usage of chemicals which interact and inhibit insects but are non-toxic to humans. We didn't always have the means to prepare this way though. Back in the day, people used to actually eat the locusts by collecting them and cooking them. And to be honest, it's an extremely smart and effective treatment because these guys have so much protein for their small bodies. And it's all plant-derived. The only issue is that this doesn't prevent the start of a swarm. And it also became unhealthy once people started using wide-scale toxic pesticides in the 80s. If you live in an area that sometimes sees these swarms of locusts, then I'm sure you're familiar with how insane they can get. And I'd even love to hear about some stories, if you have any. Just send me an email to insectsfordummies at gmail.com. Now if we get enough people willing to email in any wild experiences regarding any insects, I might be able to start doing listener stories, which would be super cool. Anyway, back to the insect at hand. If you're living in the United States, and thinking, thank God, we don't have to worry about that. Well, there was a time when we actually did. Prior to the 1930s, we had a grasshopper species known as the Rocky Mountain Grasshopper. And this was an incredibly destructive species that used to span the Great Plains into Canada, down into Texas, through Montana, Dakota, Nebraska, Colorado, and Arizona but it was also as far west as Washington, Oregon, and California. Now, the crazy part is, when these grasshoppers started swarming as locusts, they could actually move as far east as to cause farm damage in Vermont and Maine. But this east activity was only recorded in the mid to late 1700s. It was pretty uncommon. But the swarms for these locusts were recorded up until 1877 and the last living specimen was collected in 1902. The largest swarm ever recorded in the history of all insects happened in 1875, when the Rocky Mountain locusts had such a large population boom that they literally eclipsed the sun and formed a mass greater than the size of California. Now this mass had over 12 trillion insects. Think about that for a second. This flying mass of hungry locusts was greater than the size of all of Japan and had over 12 trillion insects when we just calculated earlier that 80 million translates to 300 million pounds of food in one day. So this literal giant dark cloud of locusts was able to eat an amount of food equal to 4.5 trillion pounds. One woman wrote about it in a children's autobiography stating that the cloud was hailing grasshoppers. The cloud was grasshoppers. Their bodies hid the sun and made darkness, and the rasping whirring of their wings filled the air, and they hit the ground and house with the sound of a hailstorm. Now, the really mysterious part of this whole thing comes from the fact that this species of locust completely vanished in the following 28 years there were no more major swarms after the year 1880. And the last locust ever collected was right at the beginning of the 1900s. It's hypothesized that the reason came from all the agricultural work that had been done through the Great Plains, like plowing and irrigation, along with trampling from cattle. The fact is that this insect, despite its immense swarms, only had one small range of permanent residency within the Rockies which also happened to be a good location for farming. At any rate, this grasshopper slash locust is no more, and the US has not seen a locust swarm since. But again, this is not the case for other countries, like Africa, which is now infamous for being plagued by a different species known as the desert locust, which we briefly mentioned earlier. The most recent locust swarms lasted from 2019 to 2022 which started with a cyclone in 2018 that brought a lot of rain to the Arabian Peninsula. Those swarms grew and spread to various countries in the area over the span of the last three years. Thankfully, it's finished, and we currently don't have another active swarm at the date of this recording. Locust swarms have always been a bad omen in popular culture, being associated with the end of times or extreme global disasters. It certainly predated the Bible, otherwise there wouldn't be a famous biblical plague about them. Let's just hope we don't see more real-world applications as the weather continues to become more and more unpredictable. This concludes today's episode on Insects for Fun. The name may have changed, but the email is not. It's still insectsfordummies at gmail.com. And I would love to hear any of your stories. If you've enjoyed today's episode, as always, please make sure to rate the podcast and review it on whatever platform you're listening. It really does help a monumental amount. Next week, we're getting into some giant silk moth territory, covering a caterpillar that is very impressive.